This is the Crime Cafe, where you get to hear from some of the best crime, suspense, and thriller authors in publishing today. I'm your host, Debbie Mack, and before I introduce my guest, I would like to remind you that you can buy the Crime Cafe Story Package from my website, crimecafe.net. All you have to do is go there and click on the, the words Crime Cafe, the link, and it'll lead you to the, the PayPal Buy button. It's only 99 cents, and it includes stories from all the authors who are interviewed here at Crime Cafe. So, having said that, um, there's also an online store. You might want to check that out as well, where you can get cool t-shirts like the one I'm wearing. And uh, having said that, uh, let me introduce my guest, a very talented horror crime fiction author, W.D. Gagliani, or Bill Gagliani, as I like to call him. So uh, welcome to the show, Bill. It's wonderful to have you on. Well, thank you, Debbie. It's uh, great to be a guest on your show. I'm so glad you're here and I've enjoyed your work so much. Um, tell us about the Nick Lupo series. What kind of a person is Nick Lupo? And get, give us a little background about the series itself and how you came up with it. Sure, well, great, thank you. And thanks for the compliment, I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, well, you know, Nick Lupo is really sort of a version of me in a way. You know, he's uh, he's a cop. Uh, I'm not a cop, but I mean, I always watch cop shows, so I was always interested in um, that sort of, you know, crime-fighting career. And um, he's uh, from an Italian-American household. Uh, you know, he's an only child. I'm an only child. And, you know, we had similar backgrounds in, in some ways. He has very similar tastes in music to mine. And... Um, uh, he sort of grew out of um, an, an interest that I had in writing something different than a PI novel, even though I loved those. And uh, but, but you know, I uh, even though I read a lot of mystery and thrillers when I was a kid, I also eventually met Stephen King through the book Salem's Lot. And you know, I was sort of lost to horror then. And so even though I was working in horror, I still wanted to bring in thriller elements. And he grew out of my need to bring those two together. And so even though he's a version of me, um, I made him a werewolf, uh, which would be a little different. And I, I wanted to play with the idea of the, the hero as monster and vice versa, so to speak, to hmm. go back and forth and, you know, have him doubt himself and, uh, you know, be really negative about his condition and uh, sort of face face things as they came up. That's really a unique uh, obstacle for the protagonist. I, I guess, yeah, in a way. Um, I mean, I'd seen other, I, this, this had been done with vampires uh, mm -hmm. and in literature in the 80s and 90s. And uh, I just, you know, I always found that werewolves were always presented as the antagonist. And um, even though vampires had be, started to become more heroic, or at least becoming the protagonist that you that you root for, um, I felt that the werewolf was, uh, you know, underappreciated. And, <laughs> and I thought, you know, and it was interesting to me to think, you know, what would be the obstacles that that you know a, a, a homicide detective, uh, you know, would have if he was if he happened to be a werewolf and how would he get through the day and so forth. And I tried to bring in some, what I thought was at least logical, uh, uh, you know, sort of a pro a sort of a logical approach to his everyday life. I think that's pretty cool. I mean, it's like an underserved um, 
paranormal there, you know, right. the werewolf. <laughs> well, I, I thought so at the time. And, you know, I started this, the first book, Wolf's Trap, um, in the early 90s. And it took me a long time to finish because I wasn't working on it consistently. And, you know, I, I think I was really one of the first, you know, uh, authors to try and, and look at it that way. I'm, I'm not saying I started any wave or anything, but uh, my publisher at the time that eventually picked up Wolf's Trap did eventually uh, start featuring more werewolf novels. So I think I was at least kind of riding the crest of a wave at, in, in that sense at that publisher. Um, but in the meantime, I think paranormal and urban fantasy really came a long way. And we started to see in those genres, started to see a lot of, you know, werewolf protagonists. But you know, I started my book in, I think, uh, maybe late 93. And so I might have I might have been kind of ahead of the curve a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. I wasn't maybe the first to print, but I was certainly the first <laughs> looking at it, I think. Well, I think he's a very, very uh, interesting protagonist. And uh, good for you for standing up for the werewolf <laughs> in that way. I would think it also gives him a certain amount of advantage when he has to deal with... Uh, adversaries who are similarly afflicted shall right. we say right well in the first book he doesn't meet any other werewolves and so um he, he sort of thinks he's the only one mm -hmm. only dealing with uh, flesh and blood enemies even though uh you know his, his uh the major protagonist in that book is a uh, a serial killer who does know his secret even though he's not quite sure that it's true but he has He's working off of his sister's journal, so he knows that there's something going on there. And, uh, you know, whether he believes it or not, he treats it as real. Um, Lupo doesn't actually meet any other werewolves until the second novel in that series. And then that was because I needed to write a sequel uh, because the sales had been pretty good. And uh, so my publisher said, please write a sequel. And then I thought, well, I have to bring in other werewolves um, or else what am I going to do? And uh, sort of during that time period, I decided he would never meet any other monsters. I wouldn't bring in, you know, I wouldn't do the Laurel K. Hamilton and bring in all the different uh, monster types and so forth. I just wanted to keep it very unique and, mm -hmm. to, and to, you know, give it only the one conceit, which is that werewolves do exist. But other than that, everything is normal and straightforward. Hmm. Interesting. Um... So this is kind of cr a cross between paranormal and crime fiction, then, which is cool. Uh, what tell us about your latest book? Where does it take Nick Lupo? Right, um, Wolf's Blind was just published at the beginning of um, December, and it's uh, it's the sixth novel in the series. And um, there's been a, a a long thread. This is a really complicated story. It be, has become a complicated storyline to describe, but. Um, he has uh, uh, sort of come to uh, be an obstacle in the way of this uh, uh, very large conspiracy of werewolves, I guess you could say. Uh, there is a um, there was a security agency very much like one called Blackwater. That's a real one, except in in my books they were mostly werewolves, and uh, and they were involved in trying to take over the Pentagon. And so there's a whole there's Ooh. a whole conspiracy theory that runs through the whole thing, and wow. they're, very, they're very evil, and they have their roots in the Nazis, of course, in World War II, and um, well, you know. 
I brought in some family history because my parents were uh, Italian, are Italian, and um, they grew up during World War II in Italy. And wow. So they, yeah, they were they lived in Italy right when um, when the the Germans were actually allies with Italy and and were in Italy. They were you know a an ally force that was in Italy. And when Italy surrendered in 1943, the Germans that were there became an occupying force. And the Allies, of course, were bombing uh, the Germans. Um, and so my parents lived through Allied bombings and German occupation and then the entire liberation of, of the country and so forth. So I got a lot of stories from my parents. That, wow, I'll just bet. Yeah, it was, you know, I got a lot of stories uh, from them about uh, what life was like in that time period. And uh, when I was looking for a background for Lupo, I'd given him a, a kind of a stern father. And, you know, my father was was a relatively stern man, not in any really bad way, but he was kind of a very serious man. And um, when when I was looking for a background for Lupo, and then I immediately went back and thought of his father, my father, and their youth. And I, I basically put my father, my father's character into his father's character, except I made him, I gave him a whole, a whole encounter with werewolves because the Nazis had werewolves at the end of the war. And so, um, you know, there's a, there's a whole thread. There's a parallel story that, you know, Lupo's in the present fighting with these, with uh, this particular uh, secret group of uh, werewolf uh, mercenaries, basically. But it turns out that his father and his grandfather had also run into them right during the war. And so hmm. there's a parallel story. So in, in just to go back to your question, in Wolf's Blind, um, uh, now Lupo is still dealing with uh, this uh, secret enemy. But in the meantime, there's a parallel story that shows his father as a young man following werewolves across the sea from Italy to Argentina because the Nazis oh. were escaping. Uh, from, you know, obviously from Europe to South America. And my father actually made that journey. So huh. I, uh, um, I kind of plugged in some of the things that I knew uh, from his background and, and made it all happen to Lupo's father. And in the meantime, he's also uh, run afoul of the local mafia. So uh, <laughs> I, I think I really put a lot of plot into that book. Wow. Uh, more plot than there are pages. My goodness, that sounds really intriguing. Putting that historical angle in there is really cool. Yeah. Um, let's see, you also wrote some straight crime thrillers, at least one that I know of, Savage Nights. Yes. Uh, what prompted you to write that story? Um, you know, I was that was the second book that I wrote, actually, right after Wolf's Trap. And I was simply writing, uh, my publisher at the time was uh, uh, Leisure Books, and they had a thriller line. And even though they had published uh, Wolf's Trap as horror, um, I've always been taking, I grew up reading British thrillers mostly, and I always wanted to write a thriller. Um, and so I wanted to write something for their line, which they eventually did not accept. Um, however, I got some good, I, I got some good responses from, from that book. Um, it's, um, it was a book that I, I wanted to sort of marry my love of thrillers with um, sort of that whole um, uh, human trafficking uh, kind of, uh, plot line that actually the movie Taken is very similar to my novel and I'm very proud to say that I was finished with my novel before that movie opened. <laughs> oh so, my goodness. <laughs> and of course there have been like two sequels to Taken 
uh, the Liam Neeson franchise, which, you know, is, it's reasonably, it's very exciting. It's not, uh, you know, it's not bad at all, but uh, there are actually several plot devices that are very similar in Savage Nights and Taken. Um, but I can, you know, I actually have a disclaimer in there that I finished it before that movie came out. Not oh that my goodness. believe me, but, <laughs> but, uh, well, but I believe you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, it was it was fun to write, and I I wrote I I like writing in different points of view. So I had uh, you know I had, um, you know I had a cop, um, uh, a, a woman cop who was involved uh, through uh, uh, an ex uh, Vietnam vet uh, who was a tunnel rat and who whose niece has been kidnapped uh, and has disappeared, obviously, and he comes to, to learn fairly quickly that uh, she may have been kidnapped for purposes of, of sex trafficking. And so it, be, it turns into a race against time for him to figure out how to get her out of the clutches of some really, really bad guys. And he enlists uh, a couple of uh, old uh, Vietnam buddies. And of course, I love flashbacks. So even though I've, I've been I've been warned that too many flashbacks are distraction. I still, I can't get away from doing it. And so I put in a lot of um, research that I had on tunnel rats and how their lives were. And I put in a, a very slight paranormal element um, because uh, Brant, the, the protagonist, is, um, is a little bit uh, inconsistently psychic. Um, mm. He has kind of a psychic bond with his niece, which comes and goes. Right. And I, I wanted, I sort of wanted that mysterious element in there. And it's sort of, the, the book sort of implies that it kind of happened when he was in Vietnam in one of the tunnels. Yeah, yeah. I remember that now. And it uh, sounds like that book has cinematic potential. <laughs> I, th I thought it had, but uh, as it turns out, you know, several houses passed on it. I think for my agent at the time said it was probably just a little too violent and uh, a little too graphic in general. And so both, uh, you know, with uh, sex and violence. And I think it probably did the book a disservice in a way, uh, but I, I've had some really good reviews on it. My, uh, my mm -hmm. Amazon product page has a lot of, uh, you know, five-star reviews because people that have read it generally enjoy it. So well, that's fantastic. I'll have to keep that in mind if I want to uh, option a book or get, find a producer who wants to option a book. And I'll do the screenplay. <laughs> well, that is great. In just fact, I know you've done some screenplay work. So yes, yes, that's right. Um, now, tell me about your young adult novel, the uh, one you collaborated on. Yes, I was really intrigued by all the issues you brought up in that one. Yeah. Environmental issues, coming of age issues. It was yeah. really something. Yeah, it was called. I was the seventh grade uh, monster hunter. Yes. Yes, it was. Um, a collaboration between uh, Dave Benton uh, and I. Um, Dave is a friend of mine and uh, a musician, and we've collaborated on numerous short stories. And we both had a, a real urge to write something for middle grade um, or young adults. Uh, we, we settled on middle grade, but we really wanted to hit one or the other. Um, I've always been, I mean, I started out reading things like uh, 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 the Hardy Boys is one that actually have helped me learn English, believe it or not, because English was a second language for me. I was going to say you're from Italy, aren't you? Well, I'm actually I was actually born here, but there's a long, complicated story. But born <laughs> here, went back there, and grew up there, and then ah. then came back here uh, in 1967. And so I did have to learn English um, almost from scratch. And you know, the Hardy Boys books 
may not be great literature, but they were a good way for me to really learn the language. And, and obviously, I was already a reader. And so obviously, I knew that I wanted to write uh, that kind of book. And so uh, I, I, I read other series, like The Three Investigators was one that I loved. And there was one that was kind of a Midwestern series that only went to six books, but I loved it. It was called The Brains Benton Books. Um, and my friend Dave, Dave's last name is Benton, which is interesting. Uh, that character's name is Benton. And so uh, we had kind of a laugh about it. And we, we talked that, about uh, writing something like that. And um, we wanted to bring in some, uh, our love of uh, universal monsters, even though that's not what's in the book. Uh, they are sort of representative of those monsters. And we have a, a, a strong female uh, protagonist who has powers she's not quite aware of and kind of a long family legacy that uh, we played around with uh, the whole the, the Stoker name. And then we, as you mentioned, we brought a few uh, environmental issues in there and uh, uh, kind of had uh, really a really fun time writing the story for uh, middle grade. I think it's a fantastic book and more people should know about it. Oh, thank you. Um, can you uh, picture any of your books as a movie or a TV show? And if so, who would you imagine playing the lead role? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Yeah, I mean, I can certainly imagine it. Um, uh, strangely enough, if you take the, the show Grimm and mm -hmm. Teen Wolf and kind of squash them together, you have kind of a sense of what a series of Lupo uh, stories would look like, I think. Um, David Juntoli, who, who actually plays uh, uh, another Nick <laughs> in <laughs> He plays Nick Burkhart, who's a cop, and he's the Grimm. Um, uh, he actually would probably look just fine playing Nick Lupo right now because he has that sort of vaguely Italian look, but not too much. Um, you know, he's not you know you know he's not like um, uh, stereotypically Italian, but I think he kind of fits the the, the physical type. Uh, when I was writing when I was writing uh, Wolf's Trap in the '90s and and then later on the the sequels, I always thought that um, uh, kind of a combination of Joe Mantegna and uh, Andy Garcia. You know, I, I kind of pictured that as Nick Lupo. Those are great choices. I love those actors. I know, I love them too. Uh, unfortunately, of course, they've gotten older, so now maybe less so, but, you know, I mean, in terms of their look, uh, but when they were, you know, still uh, uh, young and uh, like in The Godfather, you know, you've got... Uh, uh, Andy Garcia was in Godfather 2, if I remember correctly. Um, uh, anyway, when uh, that look really, uh, you know, struck me that 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 Lupo would probably look just like that. Kind um, of dark and yeah, yeah, yeah kind of a, a tall, broad-shouldered guy, but not you know not overly muscled or anything like that. And of course, he doesn't need to be because he's a werewolf. So. Uh huh. <laughs> I, always, I always describe him as being kind of an oversized werewolf, and I don't know where that came from because he's not an oversized uh, human male or anything like that. But uh, I always wanted him to be uh, to to seem uh, more menacing as a werewolf. And of course, he's he hates, uh, and certainly at the beginning of the series, he hates being a werewolf because he has no control over it, or he thinks he doesn't. Um, but he learns a lot through the six books. And so by the sixth book, um, he's, uh, he's pretty handy at uh, changing and so forth. He doesn't need the full moon to change. Um, but, you know, he didn't know that at first because no one mm. told him. 
Interesting. Okay, well, before we wrap up, I just want to ask you one other thing. Who, what authors or TV shows or movies have most influenced your writing? And is there anything else you'd like to add before we, we end? Sure. Um, boy, that's a long list of people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> most influential. I know. Um, well, I think um, I, I've always been a fan of Harlan Ellison and Philip K. Dick, uh, which, you know, have not influenced my, my style so much, but I think certainly my worldview. Um, and then uh, in the 70s, Stephen King, uh, James Herbert, and um, Peter Straub also. And then in the 80s, I met the Splatterpunks, you know, and I really enjoyed, you know, Richard Lehman, uh, uh, Ray Garten, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, Skip Inspector, uh, and of course, Robert McCammon, who wrote The Wolf Sour, which is probably one of the best werewolf novels anyone will ever write. And mm. also has a World War II, uh, it, it's set in World War II, so obviously that also was in my head. Uh, when I when I started uh, developing that background for Lupo, um, it it made it made me understand that I could do that. Um, in thrillers, Alistair MacLean, uh, Desmond Bagley, Duncan Kyle, those are like the basics. Um, I'm also a huge fan of Tim Powers and James Blaylock, uh, the original steampunks. And even though I haven't written a lot of steampunk, I have some stuff in the back on the back burner that is in that area. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank um, for having me. Oh, it was my pleasure, believe me. And uh, it was wonderful to talk to you today. And I hope everybody enjoyed it as well. Um, Should I mention? Please, my, yes, please do. My website, uh, wdgagliani.com. And uh, on Facebook, uh, wdgagliani. So feel free to look me up. <laughs> cool. Okay, then. Thank you so much, Bill. Thank you. And uh, just one more reminder that if you would like to get a copy of the Crime Cafe Story Package, all you have to do is go to crimecafe.net and click on the words Crime Cafe. You'll find a PayPal button where you can purchase all of the stories that have been contributed by the authors interviewed here, in addition to the Crime Cafe merchandise, which is um, in my store. So, um, with that said, uh, thank you. Thanks again, Bill, and I'll see everybody else in two weeks. <laughs>